Radio. This is Catholics Read on Cradio.org.au. Welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. Sorry, I was quickly doing my research. <laughs> you can tell we're prepared. Oh, yes, yes, we're always prepared. And always I'm not as prepared using, as we need to be. And I'm not it's... using Wikipedia for the record. Totally not using Wikipedia. <laughs> I have a feeling you're using Wikipedia, Kiara. Shh! <laughs> Don't reveal the trade secrets, Luke! Wikipedia, oh no! <laughs> um... That article is actually quite good. Anyway, so this week we are reading Oscar Wilde's The Selfish Giant, which is a short story contained within his collection, which is called The Happy Prince and Other Stories. And it's awesome. It's so good. Is it good? You like it? It's good. I like it. It's good. I really enjoyed it. It turns out this was actually one of my... This actually ended up... I'd forgotten about this until I read the story and it suddenly all came back to me. It was one of my favourite stories out of a collection of fairy tales that we had at home. We had this big fat book with all kinds of fairy tales from all over the world and that was always one of my favourites. It's great. It is very good. So, um, I mean, it's this is again one of those things because like... We have lots of work to do with uni, etc. And so it's quite short. Mercifully short. <laughs> so it's nicely short. I, it's I, nicely nothing short. nothing it else needs to be added. It's, yeah, so. it's that's right. It's not short for the sake of being short. It's short, short because, because that's just how it is. Yeah, that's the story. The story has started and it has ended. And <laughs> what are you drawing? I'm drawing a bishop. That's cool. Alrighty then. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, just the things that we do while recording. Why does the bishop look like Oscar Wilde? He does. <laughs> he doesn't it look, doesn't like, Oscar. look like Oscar Wilde. I don't know. Something about the face and the curly hair. Never mind. Uh, we're getting the, off topic. It's the long for anyway. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Well, we'll, 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 we can't visually analyze anything on no, we radio because you're hearing this. So we'll get exactly. back to the story. Exactly. Um. <laughs> that would be really awkward. <laughs> So, Catholics look at art on yeah, radio. On radio. <laughs> <laughs> this is Catholics read. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, let's just not point that out anymore. Okay. okay. Um, so what it's about is about a giant uh, who's gone away for seven years to have a conversation. It seems with his <laughs> brother or something. Uh, I think it's uh, a friend of his who's an ogre. No, no, this is. Uh, that's that right. It's a Cornish on. ogre. One day the giant ogre. came back. He had been to visit his friend, the Cornish ogre, and he had stayed with him for seven years. After the seven years were over, he had said that all that uh, he had to say for his conversation was limited. <laughs> like, was he just slow at talking, <laughs> or, or or is it one of those things where he'll say a little bit? You know, relevantly to him, but I don't know. Anyway, Relative just, to him. No, well, maybe was... maybe he's not a giant. Maybe he's an ent. And in Ooh. Entish, and he's speaking old Entish, which takes a long time to say anything. I don't know. Sorry, I'm going to stop the talk and reference. I just it was funny. Like, yeah. it's the seven years. You... His conversation was limited. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, for seven years. <laughs> okay, so the um, yeah, the giant comes back from his stay, and he finds children playing in his garden, and which is beautiful. It's beautiful, but he kicks him out. And builds this big wall and puts up a notice board, which I might add, in the various scans of the original books, it always puts it the same way. It's like, in the thing, it's like a sign, like, within the text. And it's got a square around it saying, trespasses will be prosecuted, which is a nice touch, I think. Um, 
So he sends them out and winter comes and winter goes, except in the garden. Uh, winter stays in the garden. It goes to this very beautiful scene of the frost and the, and the hail and the north winds sticking around because spring never comes back to the garden because he kicked the children out. Then one day he notices that the children have actually got in um, to the garden and spring has sprung within the garden. Uh, and he's quite bemused by this. Uh, and then so when he, he comes out, out to say hello to the children, he, he, he then scares them away. <laughs> scares them off, except for one child who who can't really see anything because he's got tears in his eyes, which I'm, I'm not sure if that's like meant to indicate something because I couldn't tell. But um, he's trying to get up in this big tree. Uh, and so the giant goes over and lifts him up and puts him in the tree and quite loves this little child. Um, and the kids notice that he's getting along well with this child. So they figure it's safe to stay. So they come back and spring springs. Miraculously in the garden. Yeah, it comes back. Um, and, and his then, garden's beautiful once more. Yeah, the garden's beautiful once more. And so the children come back every day to play in his garden, except for that one little boy that he helped up into the tree. And he loved him the most. And he couldn't find him. He didn't know where he was. And the other children said they hadn't seen him before and didn't know where he lived. So the giant gets old. Uh, this goes on for a very long time. And the giant gets old. Uh, only to find that one day the child comes back. He's in the corner. And I'm actually going to read this um, because it's great. Um, this scene of when he when he sees the child uh, that he quite loved. One winter morning, he looked out of his window as he was dressing. He did not hate the winter now, for he knew that it was merely spring asleep and that the flowers were resting. Suddenly, he rubbed his eyes in wonder and looked and looked. It certainly was a marvellous sight. In the farthest corner of the garden was a tree quite covered with lovely white blossoms. Its branches were all golden and silver fruit hung down from them and underneath it stood the little boy he had loved. Downstairs ran the giant in great joy and out into the garden. He hastened across and came near to the child. And when he came quite close, his face grew red with anger and he said, Who hath dared to wound thee? From the palms of the child's hands were the prints of two nails, and the prints of two nails were in his feet. Who hath dared to wound thee? cried the giant. Tell me, that I may take my big sword and slay them. Nay, answered the child, but these are the wounds of love. Who art thou? said the giant, and a strange awe fell on him, and he knelt before the little child. And the child smiled on the giant and said to him, You let me play once in your garden. Today you shall come with me to my garden which is paradise. And when the children ran in that afternoon, they found the giant lying dead under the tree, all covered with white blossoms. Which is completely unexpected. Yeah. I didn't it was expect like a, that. No. <laughs> and you don't expect it from Oscar Wilde either. No, it's not. It's not something not that... Not given his reputation. Well, that's one of those interesting things, that he's gained quite a represent, uh, representation, uh, reputation today um, for his... Sexual deviances, we might say. Um, he was arrested uh, and Jailed. imprisoned for sodomy, which is an offence at the time, um, which if no one knows what that slightly old-sounding um, term means. It's uh, homosexual behaviour. Mm, it's, not, it's not exclusive to that. But if, you, if, you need a, if, you, if you need a bit more, please go look it up in a dictionary. That'll give you all the information you need to know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and um, more, much more you didn't need to know. Yeah. Don't say we didn't warn you. Yes. Um, but that's what he was imprisoned for. Um, and, of course, since then, uh, that's really been what his life has been most associated with, is that he's become a bit of a, 
uh, a gay icon, I guess you could say. Um, at least that's how the Wikipedia page puts it. And um, the other thing too is that he was a you know an 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 aesthetic a part of the aesthetic mm. movement in literature at the time, which was all about pleasure and beauty and frivolity. And so, if you go and read Picture the, of Dorian Gray, yeah, is all about exactly. which is his most famous book, um, which is you know one of his most famous books. So. After his imprisonment, there's clearly a profound change in him and his writing because prison does that to people. But mind you, this was written before he was in prison. Yeah, a long go. time before he was in prison. It was written in 1888, which is fascinating. I find it absolutely fascinating because um, something else you may not know about Oscar Wilde's life is that he had his conversion basically on his deathbed. Mm. Um, at least the the full fruit of his conversion, you could say, um, in that it's recorded. Um, I mean, this is not it's not like, you know, it's recorded as in we don't know if it happened. It's a historical fact that he uh, had a priest come to him and he was conditionally baptised because he wasn't sure if he was baptised as a Catholic when he was younger, um, but baptised as a Catholic and, and died. This just blows my mind because when you read this, it's like he's predicting his own death. Mm. In the sense of that, oh, oh, Victoria's just had a. Did you notice? No, I didn't even think of that. Oh my goodness! It's quite, it's quite amazing because you see that like he's he's gone away into this world for a long period of time, and he has these moments. I'm guess I I guess like you see, you know, that there are um, elements uh, within his life of coming back to, I guess, Christianity. He does a few things to do with like Bible plays. I think it was saying. Yeah. Like yeah. That. He did. So it's not as though, he's, as though he's become completely estranged from it. No. Well, I mean, also at the time too, that was a deeply Christian society. It was, you know, people weren't afraid of talking about faith, although it was the enlightenment. So there was a lot of interesting things going Late on with religion. Yeah. Atheism so, was yeah. all the rage. You know, there was a lot of interesting... It truly was. It's a good way of putting it. It was all the rage. It, it was all the rage in Paris. <laughs> yeah. But it's just interesting that, like, he's going going to prison. He's kind of had this spiritual enlightenment experience, which happened, mind you, after this, uh, after this was written. But it's not until he's on his deathbed that he has finally this re-encounter, I guess, uh, tangibly with... With the Lord, um, I mean, it's not—it's not an exact analogy, and I mean, I don't know enough about Oscar Wilde's life to be able to make you know this great comment on it, or to make any sort of prediction that, or any sort of statement that he actually really did predict his own death. And we should all get a little bit creeped out. Um, but it <laughs> no, is it's quite poetic in incidence, is what it is. It's a poetic coincidence. Yeah, is that what you said. <laughs> That's no, a po- cool no, word. Po- yeah. Poetic, poetic in incidents. Incidents. Coincidence. Yes. It's a coincidence. <laughs> there you go. New word from new Catholic word. You heard it here first. Um, yeah, that he's had this, once again, an encounter with this little child. And we hope um, he went into paradise after his death. That's, I just think that's really cool. Um, One of the things I think is really telling, too, is how important the innocence of children is mm. in a society and the impact that it has when you truly value that innocence. And, like, the garden reflected that because it was a safe place where the children could come and play and just be children. They'd, you know, run over from school and, you know, having all their, you know, all their responsibilities that poor children had in the 1880s or whatever, and they could just 
they and they created beauty purely, you know, just by purely being children. And when they were gone, you had winter. And I think, and I really do, th- and I really do think it's a really salient point these days because how often do you hear people complain? Children are a burden. Children are annoying. Children are gross. Children are, you know, any other. Our society has become the giant who's put, built the wall around. Maybe his society had as well. Maybe he, well, in the eighteen hundreds, the way they treated children, I can tell you that they were industrial that, revolution, yeah, etc. Yeah, mm. that was um, not exactly pro. That was not exactly pro child either. And less so, useful adults. Yes, so you could pay them less, um, or not pay them at all. You, and so I, th- and I still think that we've got hangovers of that today, because you know they see children as you know they're they're not there's no economic value in children. In well, fact, what they do we take- do with children? Yeah, today? we put them in schools, and the way that well, which is glorified schooling is a bad thing. No, but, not that schooling's a bad thing. But, but that school we, education we then- has become pe- economic training. And it's become, and it's also, and it's also become, become parenting in some cases. Like you ask so many teachers, and they're expected to be more than just educators; they're expected to be parents as well. Well, yeah, I had, I had a rather uh, argument slash discussion in one of my classes concerning the teaching of sex education in schools, and they were all teachers in my class, so I was really numbered on this one. But one of the main things they kept saying was, "Well, if we're not going to, who will?" Um, and this is it's it's just quite an interesting thing yeah, as you every, say that yeah, teachers it, have become it's expected that teachers and the government become and this is this isn't a comment about parents I'm not necessarily saying that no I'm just saying that that's the way that our society has grown is um, that parents no one's yeah, specific fault um, that all that in the effort to make sure that everybody is equal we've taken the responsibility away we've taken the parents' right and the parents' capacity to form their children as they see fit and put them into a system so that everybody gets the same information and nobody can, you know, therefore be unequal. There really is nothing new under the sun, is there? No. Like, it's just coming back. So, I guess that's part of the reason why Oscar Wilde's book can, or short story, can speak to us um, today. I'm wondering also if there's a certain, like, you were speaking about uh, the aesthetic movement, whether that would have... um, you could say anything about his comments about aesthetics could be present within this, um, about beauty and innocence going together. Yeah, and this is the interesting thing because from what I, from my cursory examination of the aesthetic movement and who was a part of it, there was no. It was it was very adult, which is okay. why I think this is very very interesting because he takes away he. He just beauty as it is, and the most beautiful things in this story are always linked to the divine. Mm. That tree, that final tree, which is so incredibly beautiful, um, is you know because the you know the child Jesus is standing under it, who is divine. So it's this you know it's it's I th- I think that he's kind of recognizing in this that beauty is not um, beauty is as much human as it is divine in a way that there's a real divinity you know there's a real you know you can you can meet god in beauty and which is what i think the heart of the aesthetic movement actually is but so many people got lost in the aesthetic part not the where it leads to um and it's especially saying it today because the world's not very beautiful at the moment you know, I don't. I don't know about you, but have you looked, looked at, at the UTS building? Anyone ever been? <laughs> it has its charm. Okay. okay. 
Yeah, the, UT, the UTS belt is an exception because it was intentionally ugly. It wasn't accidental. It was really intentionally ugly. To give ugly. it credit, it, it, it did well. <laughs> yeah, it did. It, it fulfilled its purpose. And um, it was, and so so I think that the, the estates were on the right track in the sense that beauty is absolutely critical to the human, ex- to being fully human. But they got a little bit sidetracked with the pleasure part because mm. beauty is so, you know, the downfall of beauty beauty is pleasure you know you see or people go chasing the pleasurable aspects of beauty rather than looking past that isn't that exactly what the picture of dorian gray is about exactly it's exactly <laughs> what the picture of dorian gray is about i should read that book we should we should do that one yeah we should do that one oh it's so long, long though. Book, though that's oh, gonna be a summer project it's all good. i don't know i've never read it um, so I don't know. That's and that's why I think this is quite a remarkable little story, and why I think you should definitely read it to your children. Because I re- first read that story when I was probably nine or ten years old, and I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the story. Just another comment, and I might pass this off to Victoria simply because, oh, unless you have something to say right now. No, that's no, no, okay. Keep okay, um, is just about the transition of the children being in the garden. And then the giant coming in and building up the walls. Mm. I found that quite interesting that when he's enclosed in on himself and he's built up these walls around himself, um, he hasn't allowed, you mentioned that the children kind of represent a, a bit of a divine aspect, mm. both literally yeah. in the in the child that he loved um, and, and figuratively that, yeah. in the rest of the children. Um, but when he's built up those walls, there's there's no beauty um, that's, that's entering cold. in. It's not as though beauty is, of course, within us, but it needs to be something that we need to allow the divine in to make the full beauty within ourselves. The divine, because the divine is the source of beauty, that is when, as we saw with the giant's garden, when he allowed all those children to come in and play, it was the most beautiful garden in, in the area. Um, and the I area. think, But I think one of the other key <laughs> critical messages is, is that it will all, it's that... Um, beauty will always find a way even into the hardest of hearts that Mm. even the hardest most damaged most you know closed off most hurting person can still be pierced by beauty and can still have that cathartic moment where they see what you know where they where they where they truly see what they have you know what they've become and what they're missing out on and can then take steps to to make it to make it right, mm. and I mean that's what the giant did. He knocked it. He picked up a great axe and knocked down those walls. Like, but you know, that was an incredible step of courage for him, but only because those little children managed to find a hole in the wall. Mm. And I mean, I suppose it's a testament to that. You know, we might have pretty solid wills, but nothing can nothing can nothing can stop the love of God. Mm. Nothing can stop the love of God from getting through, getting through to you. It will one way or another. We're not perfect, so we will not build perfect walls against against divinity. It will find a way in because it is who we, you know, because it is what we are created for. I think another interesting aspect to it is that um, you see that that little child, he comes in at the start and he's the catalyst, I guess you could say, for him knocking down the walls. Mm. He doesn't come back until the end where he dies. I think there's there's a little bit of an interesting thing to take from that, that it's not as... With the Christian journey, it's not all... um, The whole thing isn't going to be like you're high in the clouds. No. It's not going to be the whole thing. Winter is going to come, as he says. Man, I'm just discovering this all as I'm talking. (laughs) Um, 
He says, "What? What is it that he says?" I think I mentioned it. He says, "Yeah." He knew that. Yeah, it was. He did not hate winter now, for he knew that it was merely spring asleep. Yes. This is all really amazing. Like, <laughs> why did this guy like take another four, like twelve years? Yeah. But anyway, um, before he died, but I guess yeah, predicting his own death. But it happened in the end. But nonetheless, you know, the Christian journey is not necessarily going to be spring all the time. No. You know, in the end it will. But, <laughs> but for now, we have to go through the spring, the summer, the autumn and the winter. And it's not all going to be, you know... It's not this all going to be easy. Intense... It's not all going to be mm. nice. You might I mean... hear this called in retreats like times of desolation and times of consolation, mm. yes. by the way. Which, yeah. is a, which is, you know, Ignatian spirituality at its at its core, discerning the movements of the spirit. We were talking about Jesuits a little bit earlier off it's air. Fun, it's funny how this is coming <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, off air. And because um, Victoria asked a very pertinent question, why do so many people not like Jesuits? Um, but no, but... At I the, went he, to the great oracles that were Luke and Kiara. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a story just, for another just time. A, just as an aside, we don't not like Jesuits. I love <laughs> Jesuits. I've been my family has practically been spiritually raised so to speak by jesuits so i love jesuits and therefore i'm allowed to crack all the jokes (laughs) (laughs) so don't don't get that impression from us Um, but yeah uh ignatian spirituality and that's (laughs) and and, and, no but that's time of consolation and desolation yeah victoria is exactly right and so you will have times of desolation you will have times of consolation but you've just got to recognize in the times of desolation that you have to just stick. You have you to have stick to, to your guns because love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Yeah, right. and just when you feel good, and I mean, for someone who's experienced spiritual desolation in the middle of a retreat, it's not fun. It's really, mm. really not fun, and you have no idea when it's going to end. You have no idea when it's going to, you know, what what what's going on or why it's so hard. And it's a really important point to stick it out. And you know, it's a really important point to stick it out. But the consolation is totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. totally worth it. Mm. So, Victoria, you haven't said much. Do you have? Because you guys have a lot to say. No, Miss okay. Lit- We've got eight minutes. Miss Literature, what can you, you tell? Us, what can you tell us about this text? Oh, this, about the words I themselves. I haven't studied children's literature yet, which is not. That's okay. Neither that means, I I, which means I can't. Neither have I. <laughs> but I don't know. I picked up on different things about this story. I suppose I, when I was reading, because okay, I read this in two parts. I read this before I came to the studio, and then I read it uh, the, the second half, just in the, I don't know, the foyer or something. So, in between this, I spoke to Luke and I said, oh, you know, it's going pretty well. It's, it's pretty overt. And he said, oh, it's going to get super overt later. But I was thinking of something completely different. And then the, the child Jesus basically showed up. Anyway, but before, when he was talking about closing off the garden and stuff like that, I was thinking about evangelization and the faith and, you know, that, that bib, the, bib, blah, 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 the biblical story <laughs> um, of putting a shade over a candle. Ah, putting the bush up, putting the... All right. Yeah, okay. it's funny that I was meditating on this because today I had the strangest experience. I was walking down the street and there was um, a young man walking down, um, coming my way, and he was giving out things. And, um, you know, you take the flyers because... Or whatever it is they're handing out because you don't want to be rude. And um, I looked down at what he'd given me afterwards and it was a Year of the Faith um, bookmark. And with, with that uh, image of Jesus with the two sides of the face. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Christ Panocrata. Yes, with his That's two natures. Yes. And um, anyway, and so I was like, oh, this is nice. So I actually turned around and yelled down the street with the thing in my hand. And I said, this is cool. 
And he was like, Catholic? And I said, yes. And then I, we just started having this conversation. And um, basically, he was talking about the fact that you've got everyone, especially in Sydney, uh, you've got lots of van- evangelists, uh, but they're usually Protestant. Yeah. And it's a very... Um, uh, it's a very certain type of Protestantism. Mm. Um, and anyway, and he said, and I, I haven't seen Catholics doing this, so I've started to do this. He's just walking down the street, giving out what a things. Dude. Yeah. yeah. Giving out things and only talking to them if they talk to him. So not like stopping them. Not being too in your face. No, just... if they talk to him, he'll start talking. But yeah. besides that, he'll just give them out if they want one. And so I was thinking, it's just weird that this happened to me today because. He's opening the garden. He's not closing people off. He's not putting a shade over the light. Um, and so I think, you know, you can read the story in many ways. And once the the giant shares the beautiful garden, there's happiness and there's flourishing. There's eudaimonia is what there is. Yeah. Um, that word's back. It's yeah. back. And I love it. I love using it for everything. Um, yeah, I suppose. Just, you know... And it's 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 a lesson we can learn. We shouldn't keep our faith to ourselves. We shouldn't be a selfish giant. Mm. We, no, should we shouldn't let we the shouldn't children come, as Jesus said in the Bible. And this just keeps getting better. Yeah, yes. seriously. This story is awesome. You should well, read it so much. Even she's... like I was writing down, like I, it, my superpower, if I had one, would be misquoting the Bible. Right? <laughs> I wrote down two. That's not a superpower. No. Okay. My my not superpower. Paraphrasing. Just, yeah, I can, I, can, I can remember, like, the story, but I can never remember what the line is. Anyway, so I've written down That's that right. this story reminded me of the let the little children come to yes. me, or whatever yeah. it is, and the what you do to the least of these, you do to me. Mm. So even if the little child wasn't Jesus, well, he kind of was anyway, because he was the littlest one, he couldn't get up, and so he did something for the least of them, and in the end, he was doing it for Christ. Um, which is how we should see everything. I have no idea how I'm going to write a description for this thing because it's going to be like Luke, Kiara, and Victoria Read discuss awesome. about a million <laughs> things because I don't know what the best parts are. Uh, <laughs> like, I think I think I think the essence of this story could be summed up in a quote from Mother Teresa actually, and she was like, you know, people say there are too many, you know, too many people in the world, but you can never, you know, saying there are too many children in the world is like saying there are too many flowers. Yeah, like, that is a yeah, very that is good pretty summary. much the essence of this story. Well, is... even the giant says that. Hang on, let me see what he says. Well, maybe that's where she got it from. Um, uh, potentially. <laughs> now that would be cool. <laughs> um, he says this. Uh, years went over and the giant grew very old and feeble. He could not play anymore, so he sat in a huge armchair and watched the children at their games and admired his garden. I have many beautiful flowers, he said, mm. but the children are the most beautiful flowers of all. Aww. There you go. Aww. I think, I think that's a good place to... To yeah. wrap it up, yeah. we, we've covered a lot. <laughs> and out of, a, out of a story, that's got to be what? A thousand, two thousand Not words? Even. Not it's even. Like, it's like five pages. It's nothing. Yeah, it's, it's really, really short, but it is packed full of stuff. I reckon. Which is so typical of Oscar Wilde. Such a rich depth in such simplicity. Mm. We, we need to read more of his stuff. Yeah. Coming soon. Coming soon. Coming Oscar soon. Wilde. And hey, stuff. it's our 20th episode. It it's is. our 20th episode. I didn't get little... I wanted to get little... Things. things. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and hey, did we want to just, for, before we wrap up, what was tropological? 
Because we've been meaning to answer this question. Let's do this. <laughs> yes, because we did. Victor- we did. We did discover what tropological is. Oh, you know, you you know now. It's you guys discovered it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it. it no, no, no. Tro- the tropological sense is referred because this this came up when we did Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, and it applies specifically to sort of a reading of medieval literature. There's four no, senses. No. Was there four it's senses? The senses, yeah. Four cent and the tropological was but another this way. This was brought up for like C.S. Lewis. Oh yeah, or something. yeah. It was anyway, brought up way back. Then. It was way way back up then. But then the answer came up. I think when we were doing so, Gwen and the Green yeah, Knight. Yeah, because I cut it off because yes. we were running late. Yes, which but we need to quickly get over because we're going to do that again. Yes. So tropological is the moral sense, as yeah. it turns out. Tropological refers to the moral of the story in a sense, and what moral points you can get so out of it. The lesson we learned from the twentieth episode is. Victoria's wrong most of the time. Except today. Yes! <laughs> she was right. Yes. Well, I didn't say you were wrong. I just said I'd never heard of it put like that. <laughs> so there you go. If you want to use a fancy word, you now know what it means so you can use it. Tropological. Ooh. Tropological. Let's try and find it in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> now the que- if you can spell- It comes from the 14th century, by the way. Oh, there so you go. Good- okay, anyway. So it only took us like what 17 18 episodes but it turns out Victoria was right. <laughs> it's good to know. Um and we finally have an answer to tropological. Uh-huh. And we finally read Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. And Oscar Wilde. And Oscar Wilde. Oh, all in Wilde. All a good day. Yeah. It's been good. Um just to wrap up, Kiara, favorite Oscar Wilde quote. Oh, that's hard. It's a toss up between um between two incidences, um, he was asked once what his favourite hundred books were. He says, I've only written five. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Lo- love the, just love that one. And the, my other favourite quote, which I discovered very recently, was you should always forgive your enemies could not, could, because nothing would annoy them more. Which, I, I, n- I never knew that that was Oscar Wilde. That was before, apparently Oscar Wilde. Oscar wow. Wilde. You should always forgive your enemies because nothing would annoy them more. There and I, yeah, that's pretty much my life in a nutshell <laughs> that's really tragic isn't it <laughs> oh the bitch <laughs> hey 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 you gotta start somewhere all right people i'm this still on true. the way remember, remember we did that episode was that was that me christianity that we yes. talked about fake it till you make it? Yes, <laughs> like, yes if that's the only reason well you'll get there eventually that's, <laughs> that's right that's baby steps eventually for you Kiara, but yeah hey you know. I mean, no, no 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 i'm saying i'm saying I'm saying that's in the past. Yes. There. Yes. Yes. <laughs> baby know, steps, people. Virtue is, be- virtue is made by baby steps. Indeed. So, what are we doing in the next episode? Oh, good gosh. Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. So, as you can probably tell by, I'm going to cut that back in where Kiara says Edgar Allan Poe. We're going to read The Raven. Which is going to conjure up many, rem- many reminiscent moments of The Simpsons. <laughs> Hopefully not too many, because I'll have to concentrate. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Bit, yeah. Bit yeah. gangster. Big gangster. Have you, you haven't seen the Edgar Allan Bro Tumblr We've thread, seen have the you? Edgar <laughs> Allan Bro. It's pretty funny. You should go look that up when you get home if you have nothing better to do on a Friday night. <laughs> Or Wednesday, or whenever you're listening. listening to this. <laughs> it's Friday for us. Yeah. If you have um, nothing better, if you have nothing better do, to do with your life, I recommend you go look up the Edgar Allan Bro Tumblr <laughs> posts. They're pretty funny. Don't look up much more on Tumblr, though. No, okay. no. Um, scare you. So, The Raven. It's happening next week 
on Catholics Read. We should all wear black when we read it. (laughs) I'm going to make an effort to wear an item of black clothing. Okay. My iPhone's black. I'm not wearing anything black today. That's a Headphones. Your hair's black. My my hair's brown. Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's dark brown. All right. It's burgundy. (laughs) All right. Cerise, all right. (laughs) All right. So that's what we're doing next week. So we will catch you with the raven. That sounded really creepy. (laughs) We will will speak to you about the raven next time on Catholics Read. Bye. Bye. That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.